Man, we love all of our fathers. Uh, what a big impact uh, and influence you really have. Um, and so today we want to honor you in such a special way. And on your way out today, there's a gift table and there's some resources. So every dad, we want to invite you to pick out a gift on your way out today. And also, if you're here today and you're a single dad and uh, you're parenting in part or in full alone, uh, in addition to picking out your gift, we'd like you to fill out a little card because we'd like to give you something extra today. And you get to pick from an oil change, a haircut, or a Von Hansen's meat package. And so all of our single dads, make sure that you pick out uh, one of those as well. But as I was thinking about Father's Day and just doing some research, I came across... Um, uh, this writing by President George W. Bush back in 2002, and I thought it was so fitting, and I wanted to read part of that today. He said, fathers play a unique and important role in the lives of their children. As mentor, protector, and provider, a father fundamentally influences the shape and direction of his child's character by giving love, care, discipline, and guidance. Raising a child requires significant time, effort, and sacrifice and it is one of the most hopeful and fulfilling experiences a man can ever know. A father can derive great joy from seeing his child grow from infancy to adulthood. As a child matures into independence and self-reliance, the value of a parent's hard work, love, and commitment comes to fruition. Responsible fatherhood is important to a healthy and civil society. Numerous studies confirm that children whose fathers are present and involved in, the lives, in their lives are more likely to develop into prosperous and healthy adults. Children learn by example and they need their father's presence as examples of virtue in their daily lives. A child's sense of security can also be greatly enhanced by seeing his parents in a loving and faithful marriage. And I think all those things are so true and as I think about Riverway, I, I just think, man, we have just some of the best dads in the whole world at this church. And I see that love and I see that care and I see the responsibility um, that each one of you understand what an honor and yet what a huge responsibility it is to parent and to guide and to correct our kids. And so today I want to say a prayer over you. Uh, so would you join me as we pray for all of our dads. Heavenly Father, thank you, first of all, for adopting us and for giving us the spirit of sonship through Jesus. Uh, thank you for being our Heavenly Father whose love has never run out on us and for being an example of what fatherhood really means. Uh, today I ask you to bless these fathers for the many times that they have reflected the love, the strength, generosity, wisdom, and grace that you exemplify in your relationship with us. Uh, we honor every father who has put our needs above their own conveniences and comforts for teaching us to show courage and determination in the face of adversity, for challenging us to move beyond self-limiting boundaries, for modeling the qualities that would turn us into responsible, principled, caring adults, and for showing us what it means to know you and love you. We ask your blessing on those men who would be here today who serve as father figures in our lives when our biological fathers weren't able to do so. May the love and selflessness that they have shown be returned to them in so many different blessings and help them to know that their influence has changed us for the better. God, I lift up those that who uh, have lost their father this year, that they would sense your comfort and love uh, filling those gaps they feel. 
For any fathers who have broken relationships with their sons or sons with their fathers, I pray that they would begin a restorative work that can only happen by your spirit. And lastly, God, I pray for all the new fathers, praying that you would guide them as they raise healthy, happy kids, grounded in love for you, God, and for other people. And remind them and all of us, God, that even treating our wives with dignity, compassion, and respect is one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children. So I pray you'd help us in each one of these tasks to continue to represent you well and raise our children right. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. One big round of applause for all of our dads in the room. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. You deserve a nap today. I declare it. You deserve a nap today. Well, hey, we are in week three of this series, Unstoppable Love. In fact, it's our very last week. And then next week, I'm excited, we start our summer series. And for the last several years, if you've been here, we've always done a a study on uh, somebody in the Bible. And uh, next week, we start an in-depth study on the book of Daniel and the life of Daniel and how he had great conviction at a time when his culture had none. And so we're going to be talking about developing conviction uh, inside of that, inside of our own lives. And so we start that next week. But today, we kick off this very... uh, this very last message in this series. So right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes if you want to grab those out. And if you missed either of the past two weeks, we want to encourage you to catch up online. Uh, We have been trying to wrap our heads around the unending, unrelenting, undeserved, unstoppable love of God. Uh, This idea, over and over again in Scripture, we see that God shows us love unconditionally at our very best and our very worst. As we've been saying the last couple weeks, that there's nothing that we could do good to make him love us more, and there's nothing we could do bad that would make him love us less. And so here's a great reminder, and it's your very first fill-in as we kick today off, that you are loved by God not because you are good, but because he is love. It's because he is love. It's his character. It's who he is. And his character is unchanging. And his love towards us is unchanging. And that's where we get this idea of his love becoming unstoppable towards us. Now why? Why is his love unstoppable? Well, really, it's all because of relationship. Relationship. See, when you've made Jesus the leader of your life, you become a son or daughter of God. A son or daughter of God, and with that comes great rights. And for any parent in the room, you understand the dynamics and the importance of this relationship, the power of this kind of love, uh, that when circumstances change, your love for them doesn't, right? Your kid can do something bad, and while you might be disappointed in their choices, your love for them remains unchanged. And while we do this imperfectly, God actually does this Perfectly. And so your next feeling, God's love is unstoppable towards us because he works from your identity, not your circumstances. And this is so powerful, and this is the truth I want to hang on today, that God's love for us is unstoppable because he always works from our identity as a son or daughter of God, not from your circumstances, not a position you've put yourself in through good or bad choices. It is all about our identity. I mean, if we were to be honest, human beings, we look at behavior, don't we? And based on behavior is whether or not we decide to love. But God does not operate that way. 
It is not about behavior for him. It's all about the identity. It's all about who you are in him because who you are is always more important than what you are going through. Who you are is always more important than what you are going through. You're a child of God. You're fully his. It means you're an heir of his and nothing could break his love for us. Now, as we wrap up this series, I wanted to take a look at one important application of this understanding. When we understand the love of God, there's nothing we can do to earn it. And how it impacts and has the ability to change our life, it really surrounds this one issue that every single one of us deal with from time to time, and that is fear. It's anxiety. It's worry. The uncertainty of tomorrow. The unknowns in all of these situations. How do we deal with this fear? And how God's love actually impacts that in our life. Uh, when I was thinking about fear, immediately I thought of one of my favorite moments in the last two years. That I took my boys to Valley Fair and we went as a family. We, in Paxton, we just left him at home because he can't ride anything yet and he's no fun yet. And so we just left him at home. He's the youngest. And, and we just brought the other three with. And Landon and Cooper two years ago were finally tall enough and brave enough to ride the wild thing. How many of you have ever ridden the wild thing at Valley Fair, right? I mean, you know how wild it is. And so I got them on the ride, and I mean, just the whole time we're standing in line, they're just anxious, they're worried, they're like, what if I fall out, what if I die? And I just said, that's a risk we're willing to take. And I just said, we gotta get on this thing. And so uh, Landon's sitting in front of me, Cooper's sitting next to me, but what Cooper doesn't know is that I videotaped him during the entire ride. And so for your enjoyment this morning, I want you to watch this. No, yeah. no offense to any of the girls, all right? But yeah, they were screaming like a girl. My favorite moment is he gets into that dark tunnel and he gets that home alone scream, you know, that really high-pitched scream, favorite moment ever, right? Uh, fear, it has a way of impacting all of us, doesn't it? Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, that fear defeats more people than any other one thing in the world. Fear defeats more people than any other one thing in the world. And so I would ask you, when was the last time that you worried about something? When was the last time you were fearful of an unknown situation? This morning? Uh, yesterday? Uh, this week sometime? Uh, some of you have made the mistake before, like when you weren't feeling well and you decided to like Google your symptoms. How many of you have ever done that? You've ever Googled your symptoms, right? And this popped up on the screen, you know, and it said, when you get a headache, WebMD, you are already dead. <laughs> That's really what it's like, isn't it? You Google your symptoms and, and, and for sure you're dying. You're absolutely dying. Uh, so don't do that. But maybe your worry or your fear surrounds your kids, Maybe for you it's been your job lately, uh, making ends meet, providing for yourself or your family. Maybe it's your relationships, uh, your future unknowns. Maybe it's been a health scare, a health situation. And the list could go on and on. And so the question is, what does God's unstoppable love have anything to do with fear? Well, this verse in 1 John 4.18 says this, that there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. In fact, perfect love drives out fear. 
because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been explaining that God's love is absolutely perfect for us. And that when you're loved by your heavenly father, fear can begin to dissipate because you know that he loves you enough to be in control. He loves you enough to be in the driver's seat of whatever situation you are in. And there's many times that I know we felt, man, I don't deserve God's love or I deserve this situation or I deserve these bad things because of my sin or my choices. But yet we understand that when it comes to punishment, like this verse is talking about, that it was taken care of by Jesus when he took all of our sin upon himself and he died for us. And when we realize that there's nothing bad that we could do that would keep us from his love and nothing good that we could do to earn it, and we're faced with a fearful situation, we understand this, that because of Jesus' love for us, fear actually died on the cross. Fear died on the cross. And when you take a moment to think about the opposite of this idea, it would be this, that imperfect love breeds anxiety. Imperfect love breeds anxiety. And for a moment, I want you to think about any relational difficulty you've ever had, any relational fear that you've carried. It has all come about because of imperfect love. That in, as humans, we're incapable of that kind of love, but with our heavenly Father, he is perfect in his love towards us. And that's why even with each other, we pretend often to be okay when we're not. It's why we pretend to have it all together when we don't. We don't want anyone to stop loving us, so we project an image that we think other people will want to love. But, your next villain, when you have a greater understanding of God's perfect love, you will have less fear. That he has already wholly and perfectly accepted you as you are. That it really doesn't matter what anybody else says or does, that he has already accepted you, called you his own. And what's amazing about that is that only with God, from whom we can hide nothing, right? From others we hide things, but from God he sees it all. He knows us fully. He knows all of our weaknesses, all of our bad things as well as good, and yet he loves us unconditionally. And this is the type of love that scripture tells us, a perfect love that casts out our fear, that we don't need to be afraid of uncertainty because of how our Father loves us. And it's so powerful when you begin to think about that Jesus isn't as much removing fear from us as much as he is wanting to teach us how much he loves us. And when we have a greater understanding of his love, when we have a greater understanding of his protection, when we have a greater understanding of his care, suddenly those fears in us begin to dissipate. And even in the hardships of life, he works for our good. And you see, this idea of exchanging this perfect love for our worry and our anxiety and for our fear was important to Jesus. In fact, he taught on this very thing in Matthew 6, and as he gathered the people around, he began to tell the people this in verse 25. And he gives us such a simplistic example, and it's kind of funny, but Jesus wanted, I think, make it simple on purpose. And he begins this way. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. You see, Jesus in this very first verse, he is beginning to address things that his audience was actually worried about in that time. How are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? What are we going to wear? I mean, literally, it was much more hand-to-mouth right back then than it is today. And I think if Jesus were instructing us in this same way, he might say to us, don't worry about retirement. Don't worry about your kids' protection or well-being. Don't have anxiety about what school they'll get into. Don't have anxiety or worry about whether you'll be single the rest of your life. Don't worry about that job that you're hoping to get. Don't let anxiety about your finances rule you, about your health. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. And when Jesus says something so simplistic like that, don't worry about your life, I think all of us would kind of stop and say, well, wow, that's kind of insensitive, Jesus, don't you think? I mean, don't you think that these things are important to us? And Jesus would say, absolutely. I'm not saying that any of these things aren't important. In fact, that's not his point at all. What Jesus is trying to get the point across and understand is that there is a way to have uncertainty in all of those things and still not worry. Jesus is trying to get this point across that it's possible for you to have uncertainty about tomorrow and still have peace today. That is possible. So verse 25, he continues, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Right? He knows that obviously we, have to, we need these things for living, but he's trying to pull us out of this hyper-focus on the certain things that we get hyper-focused about. And come on, we're all guilty of it. We all have different fears and we all have different anxieties, the things that pull us into that tunnel. And it's like no matter what's going on around us, it's all that we can dwell on. And Jesus says, I want to pull you out of that for a moment and I want you to focus on me. And then Jesus gives this so simplistic example, verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. And I'm sure he just stopped and he just waited. No, 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 seriously, people. I want you to all look up at the birds of the air. And I'm sure there was birds flying around. Do you see these birds? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, I'm sure for some people, they're thinking, you want us to do what? Look at the birds? Jesus, I don't have time to look at no dang birds, right? I need a job right now, right? I need to put food on my table right now. My kid is failing in school. Our car just broke down. My marriage is failing. And you want me to look at the birds? And Jesus says, yes. I want you to stop and look at the birds. Because they don't worry about much. In fact, they don't even worry about their kids. They just push their kids out of the nest one day. And just hope they fly. There's got to be a good parenting model in there somewhere, right? Get them out of the nest. But Jesus instructs them to look at the birds of the air, and he says your father feeds them. And then he asks this all-important question that changes the game for all of us when it comes to anxiety and worry and helps us understand his love. And he finishes this very next statement with this question, are you not much more valuable are you not much more valuable than they? So let me ask you, 
You think that God cares more about you than the birds of the sky? I would hope so. Because none of you look like a bird today, right? You are actually made in the image of God. So much more valuable than the birds. And while this seems silly and elementary, it is so significant. Because what Jesus is saying is that when you understand your value, when you understand how much I love you, when you understand that there is nothing you could do to earn my love and it is at full all the time towards you, it is possible to not know about your future health and not worry. It is possible for you to face uncertainty in your finances and still not worry. It is possible for you to not know about your kid's safety or well-being or what the future holds and not worry. You cannot know how retirement's gonna work out and not worry. You cannot know whether or not you're gonna get married again and not worry. Jesus says you can have uncertainty and not worry if you understand how much I love you. If you understand how valuable you are to me and how there's never been a day that God has taken his eye off of you. Always been there. Now, Jesus' point is not to throw caution to the wind or just trust fate, right? We still have to do our part. We still have to knock on doors. We still have to fill out applications. We still have to go out on dates. We still have to set those goals. But once you've done your part, you trust that your heavenly Father loves you more than the birds. He loves you more. And then Jesus asks this incredibly challenging question that I think if you don't hear anything else today, maybe this is the thing that we would write down and stick in our mirror this week and we would just repeat to ourselves over and over and over again every time that fear raises its head. And Jesus asked this timeless question that still 2,000 years later applies to our life. And he said this in verse 27, very next thing. Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Isn't that a great question? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Let me ask you, how much time has fear stolen from you? You remember those things that you lost sleep over? The things that you cried over, the things that you were anxious over, the things that would cause you to be distracted from everything else? How much time has fear stolen from you? Because the truth is, and the temptation, I think, for all of us is that sometimes in our minds we play out and live out a thousand times over something bad that may never even happen to us or happen to someone we love. And I think another way that I would ask this question, and it's your next fill-in, is can your worry add any certainty to your uncertainty? Can your worry add any certainty to your uncertainty? We know the answer to this, and the answer is no. Yet we all struggle in an effort to control things that are out of my control. But what God is wanting to teach us is that we can say, I'm not going to live in fear because I'm understanding the unstoppable love of God towards me. That I'm his child, that he loves me and he protects me and he's watching out for me. And I don't know about you, but man, I think the older that I get, I realize that there's not much certainty in my life. 
Has anybody else realized that the older you've gotten? I think that when you're young, you feel like you can control everything. The world's your oyster, and I'm just going to control it all, and I'll just be able to plan everything out. And the older you get, right, you get close to 40. Anybody close to 40? All right, you feel my pain. All right, 40 this year. It's sad. You get to this spot where you just go, man, there is actually very little that I can control in life. Now, yes, I'm responsible for my choices and all of those things and how those ripple effects impact those people around me. But there are so many other things at work that are simply out of my control. And while so much has changed, the older we get, God never changes. And so let me ask you this all-important question, and it's your next villain. What would life look like every day knowing that God truly loves you and could be trusted for all things? What would your everyday look like, begin to look like, if you got up every day and said, God, I know there's uncertainty and there's things that I don't have control of, but here's what I do know and can control, that you love me and you love me fully and I am trusting in your love as your son or daughter. I'm trusting you. I'm loved fully, I'm cared for, I'm watched over. If we began to do that, I mean, tomorrow morning, if you got up and you just said that little prayer, God, I know there's uncertainty and there's things that I don't know, but I'm choosing today to trust in how much you love me, that you're watching over me, that you care for me. And you began to say that type of prayer every single day, you know what would happen? You wouldn't stop worrying because the future suddenly became certain. You would stop worrying because you were trusting in the love and care your heavenly Father has for you. It would take away this anxiety. It would take away the fear that keeps us up at night. Say, God, I truly trust in your love for me. And so after Jesus explains to the crowd, hey, I want you to look at the birds and understand how valuable you are to me and can you really gain an hour by worrying? I mean, can you add an hour to your life? Of course not. And after he brings them through all this, verse 31, Jesus says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And the same thing, he would say, I don't want you to be worrying about your job. I don't want you to be worrying about finances. I don't want you to be worrying about these things and let it wreck your today. For the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God says everything that you're already worrying about, your heavenly Father already knows about it. And if we worry the same way that people who have no God, listen, if we worry the same people, the same way that people who have no God, we are atheists when it comes to fear. If we believe all these things about God and his love for us, but it all goes out the window, the moment we're faced with uncertainty, we are no different than the pagans, Jesus says. That there has to be a correlation in your relationship with your heavenly father between his love and your fear. Because his love and his care and his provision for you isn't just when everything's great. His love and his care and his provision is ready to meet you when you are faced with your most uncertain days. When you are faced with your most uncertain days problems and issues. God says, that's when I want the weight of this security to fill your life. 
to have faith in me, to know that I already know what's going on. I already know about your uncertainty. I already know about your kids and I already know about your health and I already know about the job situation and I already know about retirement and I already know about your marriage and I already know about that relationship. God says, I already know. And in those moments when we relinquish those fears to him, trust begins to fill our hearts. We understand his love more and more. And how do we do that? Well, Jesus ends this passage with this solution. Verse 33, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Instead of you, Jesus, saying, listen, instead of you getting hyper-focused on all the things that keep you up at night, I just want you to shift your focus back to me. I want you to keep your eyes focused on me. I want you to keep your attention focused on your heavenly Father who loves you and who cares for you and is watching over you. It reminds me of uh, this, gosh, years ago, I was having to drive to Iowa. I mean, this is probably, I, I know, and all of a sudden you're like, Iowa, wow, that's bad enough. I know, I had to go there, and, and this is probably 15 years ago. And I had to, an event that I had to be at, and so I was driving, and actually through the night, and just a terrible snowstorm came in. And I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to stop driving because I literally couldn't see. It was whiteout conditions. I just was going to stop driving and miss the event or if I was going to white knuckle through the storm and make it through. How many of you have ever driven through one of those storms, right? You know the fear, the anxiety. And it's interesting that they say when you can't see in front of you, they said follow the lines on the road. Just turn your attention right to the lines on the road because I couldn't see 10 feet in front of our car and oftentimes it would just be brake lights sometimes that you would see, right? Pure panic. And so as I drove through that storm, I just kept my eyes focused on the lines. And as I stayed focused on the lines, it allowed my car to stay right where it needed to be, and I made it through and made it to the event. And I was, I was thinking about this this week. I just thought, so it's exactly what Christ is asking us to do. That when we're facing fear and when we're facing our anxiety, it really comes down to your focus. Are you focused on your problems? Are you focused on the uncertainty? Or will you be focused on a heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you? who says to you, you're more valuable than the birds. And I love this passage in Romans 8, 35, as Paul tries to really get this to understand this as we wrap up this morning. He says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And I love that he starts with a who. Is there any relationship that could separate you from God's love? Absolutely not. He goes on to the what's. He says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword no. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, for I am convinced. Let me tell you, Paul's been through a lot at this point. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, in other words, neither our present circumstances nor the uncertain future, Neither angels nor demons, 
nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, what will be able to separate us? Everybody say it with me. Nothing. Everybody say it with me. Nothing. He says, nothing will be able to separate us from his love. And he says that's where the peace comes in. That's where we can get through the anxiety and the fear. It's understanding whose we are, not what we're going through. And when you begin to understand this unstoppable love, there's nothing that can truly harm us. And so as we end today, I kind of came up with an acronym for the word fear. And I know it's a little cheesy, but I hope it will maybe help you remind, uh, remind yourself this week of this all-important truth. And it's just this F-E-A-R, and it's right on your notes, that every time fear rises up, I will fight every attempt to rob my trust in God's love. Fight every attempt to rob my trust in God's love. I just want you to fill that in my trust in God's love, that every time fear rises up, I'm gonna fight every attempt it's making to rob me of my trust in God's love. And how do we fight that? We fight it in prayer. We fight it through scripture, recalling it and saying, God, you said in your word that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. God, you said you'd be a very present help in time of trouble, that you're there with me, that I've never lived an unloved day, God, that you've never left me, you've never forsaken me, and even though I face this uncertainty, I will not fear, let fear rob me of my trust in you. I will not let fear rob me of my trust in your love. This great verse, as we close out, and then we're gonna sing a song, Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, I will help you. So today I'd like to close with a song that talks exactly about this. And I don't know what uncertainty you're facing. I don't know what season of life you're in. I don't know the relational struggles that might be going on, but your heavenly Father knows. And he loves you. And so as we sing this song, I just want you to receive that love and to let that fear dissipate and let trust take its place. So would you stand all over your feet and let's close with this song and then I'll be back out to pray. Father, would you just give us a new understanding of what it means to be fully loved by you? That in every situation, you've been there ever before we'll ever arrive. God, you hold our future in your hands. What a privilege to be called a son or daughter of God. to know that you are with us, that you haven't left us. But like Isaiah said, and you've commanded us to, 
put our hope and trust in you, that you've taken our hand, that you said that you would be our help. So God, tomorrow morning as we get up and throughout this week as we bump into fear and as we bump into situations that cause us anxiety, may we remember that fear is just an attempt to rob our trust in your love. And we won't let it rob us of that. So fill us by your spirit with great courage and new trust in your love. In Jesus' name we pray.